Welcome to my podcast, These Dramatic Days. I'm Jen, and I want to have smart conversations about Asian dramas, particularly good Taiwanese and Korean series. Today, I'm going to be talking about the K-drama 2521, which only just premiered recently, but is already becoming a very big fan favorite. And we're up to episodes five and six, but we'll only be talking about episodes one to four, and then probably revisiting this drama in a later podcast episode. So before we get into talking about the drama, I just wanted to say that I am so sorry there was a break between my last episode and this episode. Being new to podcasting, there were all these little teething issues I was trying to sort out and then I was trying to find the right podcast host. But I'm back now and I'm trying to be more consistent. I am still trying to figure out my podcast format because I love watching series as they air and I love talking about them when everyone else is. But I do realize it's easier to talk about a series once it's finished airing. So I'm trying to figure out a working format for my show. It might be that I talk about live dramas but make the episode slightly shorter and then just have more episodes about that series or I might try to do something else. Everything's a little bit of a work in progress but hopefully things will improve and get smoother and I'm just going to test things and see how they go. Anyway I'm super excited to be talking about 2521 today and as I mentioned before it's already a fan favorite. One of the big reasons why I think this series is already so popular is probably because of the leading actors. So the series is being led by Namju Hyuk and Kim Tyree and both of them have quite big fandoms and they've also done a really diverse range of roles over the years so I thought they would be a really good pairing to watch and then I was also really excited about this drama when I found out it was going to be a nostalgia drama because these sort of series are always so much fun to watch they bring you back to the past they're also really heartwarming and they can be really bittersweet at the same time so since there's so much to talk about here's my little list of what we'll be looking at today so number one I'm going to summarize the story and because there's already a mystery at the heart of the story. I'm going to be mentioning a few of the main theories that fans already have for the ending. Number two, I'm going to be looking at the actors and characters. I really like Nam Ju Hyuk and Kim Tyree, who have both done so many different projects. So I want to talk about how their new roles compare to their old projects. And we'll definitely be looking at their current characters. So Kim Tyree plays a character called Nahido and Nam Ju Hyuk plays a character called Becky Jin. So I really want to do a little analysis on both these characters as well as the three main side characters in this drama. So moving on to number three. Since this drama is a nostalgia drama, I really want to look at why nostalgia dramas are so popular. I can list several nostalgia dramas off the top of my head that have all become mega hits in Korea and Taiwan. And so I'm really expecting this drama to be getting a lot of love as it is. And I also think it'd be fun to talk about all the throwback references of things that were cool or at least normal back in 1998. And if you think about it, 1998 was 24 years ago. And if you're a kid back then, doesn't that make you feel really old? It sure as hell makes me feel really old, but I'm just gonna try and not think about that. <laughs> On to number four. So I really thought that it would be helpful to talk about the IMF crisis, which is the big historical event in 2521 that affects everyone's lives in the drama. This is the event that causes Eugene's family to lose all their money and declare bankruptcy. And even though you kind of know it's bad in the drama, you don't really know what exactly happens. So I'm gonna give you some context around the issue so that you hopefully understand the story in the drama a lot better. And last of all, number five, I really want to talk about Full House. So Full House is this comic book series which the main character Hido really loves reading and it is an actual comic book series in the real world and I just love when dramas feature books or movies or pop culture references because these things are not selected at random, they're selected to say something about the characters or about the drama and so it feels like there's a secret message in every book that appears in 
a drama. And so let's finish off by looking at what Full House has to say about Nahido and about the drama 2521. So getting onto the plot of this drama, I just want to make a disclaimer that I will spoil the first few episodes by explaining the plot and talking about some of the big fan theories. So if you're really sensitive to all spoilers, please watch the series first and then come back and listen here. But now that that's out of the way, let's talk about what is 2521 about. The story is actually set in two timelines, a present timeline where the main character Nahido is a grown up woman and has her own teenage daughter and a past timeline where Nahido is still a teenager and most of the events in the drama actually unfold here. The story is framed so that Nahido's teenage daughter finds her mom's diary when she was around the same age and she learns about her mom's life back in 1998. And in that year Nahido is in high school and she's a talented fencer who's stuck in a bit of a rut. She really admires and idolizes this fencing champion, a girl called Koyurim, who wins all these titles and championships at a nearby school. Hido wants to be friends with her and she really hopes to be her rival one day. And it's during this time that a really big financial crisis happens across Asia and Korea and it really impacts everyone. So Hido's school no longer has the funds to support a fencing team and they shut down this extracurricular activity. But Hido is determined to keep fencing and so she finds a way to get herself transferred to Urim school. During this time she also makes friends with this new guy who has been delivering their newspaper and he's this college kid called Yijin. And through the course of the first few episodes you find out that Yijin's family used to be rich but they were negatively impacted by this financial crisis. It's so bad it's to the point where his family have to declare bankruptcy and even split apart and stay in hiding. So his current life is miserable and he's trying to get by on part-time jobs. While he seems to know Urim as a family friend he has a really strong connection with Hido since they keep running into each other and they have a really funny bantery type relationship. Except since she's in high school and is a minor and he's in college it's not really romantic just yet but this is where the title implies they'll meet again as adults when he's 25 and she's 21. So it's a promising start to the drama and there's all sorts of questions to answer as the series goes on. The main question being who is the father of adult Hido's teenage daughter? Is it Yijin or did something happen? Because the daughter's last name is not Beck, which is Yijin's last name, and it makes it seem like it's not Yijin's daughter. And what's more, at the end of episode 4, the girl doesn't even know who Yijin is. So in the future timeline, they haven't shown her father, and there's a big mystery about that. And I feel like this one is driving fans a little bit crazy because there are already so many fan theories going on. And the main ones that I've seen are the ones that I'll talk about here. So theory number one is that Yijin changed his last name so that his daughter has a different last name to him. Maybe they had the daughter and because Yijin was still in trouble financially, he changed his last name before the daughter was born and then he had to leave or Hido had to leave. I do think this theory is a little bit of a stretch though given what we know in episode 4 and also because a lot of families were in financial trouble during the IMF crisis so it wouldn't have just been his family that would be in that much trouble that they might need to change their last name I guess. But you never know how stories choose to dramatize a character's life. Theory number two. So there's a theory going around that the teenage daughter is actually not Hido's biological daughter, but she's actually the daughter of one of their friends. So either Yurim's daughter or either Sangwan's daughter. Hido just adopted her, which is why she has a different last name. And of course, she doesn't know about her adopted mother's love life as a teenager, since it probably wouldn't have come up in conversation. I don't know if I have a strong feeling about this theory just yet, but I do think it could be possible since the teenage girl was not that curious about whether or not her mom and dad had met but was 
just curious about the life of her mom, but then she would have to be in the dark about being adopted because she thinks that her mom is her mom. There doesn't seem to be any questioning about her biological mother, so that seems kind of strange as well. Theory number three. So there is a theory that Hido and Yujin did have a child, but Yujin doesn't know about it. So Hido discovered that she was pregnant, but did not tell Yujin because she didn't want to burden him or because of a misunderstanding. And the child's name was possibly made up or changed to prevent her from finding her father. So because her mother left her father, she doesn't know him. And that seems a little sad, but at least it would mean there was still a chance that Hido and Yujin could still reconcile in the course of the series. But this doesn't explain why Hido's mother would meet Yujin and she wouldn't meet him. So it does seem a little bit sus. So theory number four is a little bit more sadder. Hido does have a child with Yujin, but he passes away really young. So the child's name is either made up or Hido remarries and that's why her daughter has a different last name. And that might explain why the daughter isn't really looking for hints of her father because she might think that her stepfather is her biological father. And in this case, when they have the conversation and the mother tells Hido that she saw Yujin, she really means that she went to his grave. And to be honest, I wouldn't really be surprised if this turns out to be a sad ending because I think a lot of the time with nostalgia dramas, there is a real level of sadness. Most of the time, the characters are looking back at the good old days in these dramas because they've grown up and things have changed. And sometimes something really sad happens, which the characters have to learn to accept as part of the growing up process. In this series, there's definitely some foreshadowing of something tragic that might happen to Yujin. And I'm not saying that these clues are definitive, they could be red herrings, but these are little hints that seem to indicate that something may happen. So the first of these is when Yujin comes over with his banana milk to replace the one that Hido has. She notices him from the window and then she feels a little bit uncomfortable because she says that they look like Romeo and Juliet. And of course that is one of the most famous tragic pairings separated by death. And then after that Yujin and Hido practice fencing together and Yujin pulls her sword so that it pokes into him gently, which seems playful enough but is also a little bit morbid. Another couple of things that worry me is that they talk a lot about Hido's sense of resilience. She just has this energy to bounce back when things are bad and Yujin tells her that he really admires that. And Hido herself also tells Yujin that when things are bad you have to laugh about them. And while these are good qualities to have, it does make me worry because whenever they mention these sort of lines in Korean dramas, it is an indicator that there are sad things to come because this is going to be a test of all their resilience. I feel like a lot of K-drama script writers like to build up these really strong characters, but then they like to put all the bad situations on them at the same time. Like, yeah, you're strong, but can you handle every bad thing happening to you at exactly the same time? But still in this theory, at least Hido and Yujin still end up together. And I feel like this theory is at least a little bit better than the last theory I've heard, which is number five. Hido and Yujin do not end up together, either because Yujin dies young or because they drift apart. So Hido ends up having a relationship and a daughter with somebody else. So this kind of ending is pretty bittersweet. And while it's possible, this one feels like the roughest of all the endings. So I don't know about all your opinions, but personally, I don't mind a sad ending or a bittersweet ending on the condition that it's done well. And often I have to say that this is very hard to pull off. What I mean by that is that a lot of sad endings seem to try to cram a lot of things in and then pull off this tragic twist at the last minute. Then there's also the ones that are a little bit too 
too overdramatic and you don't end up feeling that it's sad but that it's sort of done for the drama of it all. And then there's those sad endings where you feel like the scriptwriter initially wanted to make it sad but then were possibly worried about public opinion or something else and then it's sort of wishy-washy and left in the middle and maybe it's an open ending but skewers slightly sad and then you feel like those sort of endings are not the right balance of bittersweet. It just leaves you feeling unsatisfied. In the case of 2521 if they do go with this very sad ending they would have to give a very good reason why Hido and Yijin don't end up together at all because this entire story seems to be looking at that relationship. So let's move on now to have a chat about the actors and the characters themselves. So this is a series with quite a well-known cast. Both Nam Ju Hyuk and Kim Tae have been around for a while and they had their big breaks in past projects so I'd say that most K-drama watchers are familiar with them. Nam Ju Hyuk was in side roles in dramas from as early as 2014 and I think he was in things like School 2015, he was in Cheese in a Trap but it wasn't until about 2016 that he got his really huge break in one of my all-time favorite Korean dramas, Weightlifting Fairy Kim Bok Joo and this is a college sports slice of life romance drama. In that series Nam Ju Hyuk plays the cutest college boyfriend who is super playful, super charismatic and he also has his own traumas which he works through while falling in love with this tomboy weightlifter at his college. And I really really liked him in that role. I thought he was well suited to play that fun charismatic college kid and also the drama itself was pretty amazing. It had this really fantastic pacing where angsty events might pop up in the series but it would get resolved really quickly and also at the same time the story itself was really heartwarming between family and friends and the romance was just super cute and it wasn't in a way that was cheesy or sickening but it just made you feel so warm and happy and nostalgic for like college life and your first love and coming back to 2521 I think there's quite a few similarities in this drama to Weightlifting Fairy in that Nam Ju Hyuk is playing a college kid again and it's also a sports slice of life romance type drama so maybe it's making me really nostalgic for Weightlifting Fairy but I'm really drawn to Nam Ju Hyuk in 2521. I feel like his character does seem to have a harder life situation but he's still got that same charm and I have to say that I've seen him in many projects over the years both dramas like Startup and films like Josie and I've enjoyed his characters but over the last few years he's done more characters that have been less vanilla and more challenging so I'm really looking forward to seeing him bring his new acting skills into the character in 2521. And so in this drama Nam Ju Hyuk's character Yi Jin is a college kid once again and so he relates to all the characters a little bit differently and what I like is that he's like the slightly cooler older kid but at the same time they also treat him as if he's very much the same age and so there's a lot of teasing and banter and sarcasm in all their conversations which is really fun to watch and I feel like I started really getting into this drama after this one scene on the bus where there's only one seat left and Hido tells Yi Jin you can have it because I respect senior citizens and then his comeback is that he just accepts it and tells her that she should be acting that way anyway. Their conversations are just really playful and they don't miss a beat so it's kind of like watching ping pong in that the comebacks and the energy bounce back and forth between the two of them. While this is very much a story about Hido growing up it's also very much a story about Yi Jin growing up because you can see that he's a kid who still enjoys hanging out with others his age and teasing all the girls around him but he's forced to carry all the burdens of an adult because of all the things that have happened to his family due to the financial crisis. So we also see him display this coolness and maturity and wariness when he's telling off the bullies 
bullies who are picking on his brother, or when he's apologizing to the workers who come to hunt for his father because they're angry that they've lost their jobs. And I feel so sorry for Eugene in these first couple of episodes because not only does he have the pressure to protect and save his family from this situation, he's also stuck between a rock and a hard place because he's seen as too educated and too rich for any labor or manual job, but he's also seen as someone from this disgraced family and also someone not well connected enough to be getting a office job and not even like some sort of fancy director job but just a graduate job from the looks of things. But I think the fact that he's forced to grow up so quickly is also what makes this underlying romantic tension with Hito so charming because she's someone who can bring a lot of laughter and joy and innocence and freedom back into his life just when he's feeling the most trapped and at the bottom of a huge pit in his life. And there's very clearly a strong underlying romantic tension between these two, especially in episode four when he brings her a banana milk and they end up fencing and he says so many sweet things to her about how she gives him hope, about how much he misses her when he feels very low in life and about how he wants the very best for her, which I really like because it shows that he doesn't just want her to comfort him when he's feeling bad, but he also sees a lot of potential in her. He respects her abilities and her natural attitude towards life and it also shows that he wants to support her in her dreams and that all the things that she cares about also matter very deeply to him. So I feel like Eugene is a very healthy male lead and one that is very caring and empathetic unlike those earlier K-drama leads who were very much toxic in their relationship with the female leads. So speaking about the female lead let's move on to the female lead for this series which is Kim Tyree and she's someone who had her big break around the same year as Nam Ji Hyuk because she was cast in the thriller erotica film The Handmaiden. So this film was really well received critically and went to all these international film festivals and she beat out 1,500 other actors who auditioned as well which I think says something about her acting talent and since then she's done a lot of really different projects. The first time I saw her was in this film called Little Forest which is an adaptation of a slice of life Japanese manga and it's this really calming film which is basically about a girl who lives in the countryside with her friends and she cooks a lot of good food and makes peace with the fact that her mom suddenly disappeared in her life when she was in high school. So not very much happens but it's quite calming and peaceful and reflective but more recently I think most people would know her from her role as a space captain in Space Sweepers on Netflix. And what I want to say about her career is I think she's so cool for not building it entirely on romance dramas. Not that there's anything wrong with romance dramas but I do feel like most of the time female stars are sort of typecast into that and I think it's really cool and brave of her to have done things that are less stereotypical or predictable. And then because she's so rarely in these romance series it's really nice to see her take on this type of role in this coming of age romance and she looks so sweet and youthful and lively that she really does seem like the perfect fit for Hido's character which is quite funny because she is older than Nam Ji Hyuk by six years but it's actually believable that she's a high schooler in this series while he plays a college kid. And at this point I think I should bring up the fact that I have seen some criticisms about Kim Tyree's acting which has been a bit of a shame since some people think she's overacting and that teenage girls do not skip around and they don't talk half as loudly as when she talks. But while I think that of course someone's always going to have a negative opinion I do feel that people have missed the point of that character if that's what they think because the character seems to have been written to be one of those really chaotic and larger than life characters and I'm really surprised that some people have never met someone like that before in real life because I definitely have and I did meet them when I was a teenager and they were a teenager and so I believe these kinds of characters do exist in real life. With that said I do understand where people were kind 
of coming from because while I really like strong spirited and determined female leading characters, I found Hido a little bit too erratic in the first episode and I wasn't sure if I was amused and enjoying her antics or if I was really cringing when she suddenly started crying in the middle of the street but I found her to be much more likable from episode 2 onwards and of course I felt really sorry for her when she moved schools and met her hero Urim but it wasn't what she thought it would be. I guess it really goes with that saying when they tell you don't meet your heroes because they might let you down. I think once you get past the first episode what you really see about Hido is that she's quite funny, she's a highly energetic messy character who is also at the same time very warm, friendly, genuine and really wears her heart on her sleeve. And what I really like about her is that when things should be getting her down they really don't because they actually make her more determined to find a solution to her problems and I really wish I had that kind of attitude like it's just so admirable. And even more than this she's someone who's very empathetic and has a really big heart so she wants to protect the people around her whether that's Yijin who she witnesses suffering because of his family or Yurim who has trouble standing up for herself against her fencing seniors even though she's being quite mean to Hido herself. And I think it's so important that Yijin talks about Hido actually having a strong mental fortitude because I do think this is a really positive trait that I think everyone should try to develop and seeing that in a main character is really quite inspirational. And in this series there's also a few very important side characters and I really can't wait to see them all become regular hangout buddies. I think this is going to be more frequent since they were already awkwardly hanging out in episode 4. I have to admit I don't know much about some of the actors who play side characters so I really don't know much about Berna who plays Urim but I find Urim's character to be very interesting. I think in some ways she's the direct opposite of Hido so fencing skills have come really easily to her and she's quite talented but she's also afraid of failure unlike Hido who fails all the time but uses those experiences to make herself grow. But to be honest I think that's what makes Urim's character relatable so while I'd like to be more like Hido who has this really strong sense of resilience I think I personally relate more to Urim who has a fear of failure and imposter syndrome. I totally don't think that's excuse for being mean to someone else but I really do understand where she's coming from with that sense of insecurity. But at least she seems to have a really cute romance that's about to happen with that class 7's good looking guy. That smooth talking character who I think is called Moon Ji Wong is played by this rookie actor called Choi Hun Wook. So if you're wondering where you've seen him before you probably watched him as the bully in episodes 3 and 4 of Taxi Driver or you might have seen him in Racket Boys where he plays the character Na Wu Chan. And both of these were really fantastic series so I'm really glad to see him again and also this is quite a different role where he's someone who seems cool but also kind of dorky at the same time. I have to say at first I thought he was going to be a really cringy character but actually he's quite nice when he's around Yurim who's his big crush and I also really like his childhood friendship with the class president Sangwon. Even though Sangwon is not related to them in terms of a romantic relationship I like the way that they've linked her to each of the characters especially to Yijin who she at first looked down upon as the landlord's daughter but then she discovered that he was her broadcasting club senior and they pay a lot of attention to their seniors in that club so she's mortified. So I really have to say that I am looking forward to seeing the relationship between these five characters develop since they're also likable and have numerous interactions in their individual relationships with one another. So enough about the characters let's talk about nostalgia dramas. I have to say that the real draw card that pulled me into watching this drama when I first saw the trailer was that I realized it was a nostalgia drama set in 1998 and I totally have a weakness for nostalgia dramas but also for coming of age 
school series, which is what this is as well. And some of you might wonder what I mean when I say nostalgia drama. So nostalgia dramas are generally those set in an older era, but in an era that viewers feel that they've experienced not too long ago, or that someone they know would have experienced it in their lifetime, so like their mom or dads. And it's different to period dramas in that they're not like those set in ancient kingdoms or really far away timelines. The lines sort of blur a little bit more for modern period dramas, like maybe those set in the 50s or 60s, because those could kind of be nostalgia dramas. But I'd say generally nostalgia dramas refer to those that are set in the 80s or 90s or even the early 2000s at the moment. And often they're tied closely with that coming of age or school period of life as well. And the characters have to deal with this great change or this big turning point in their lives. The stories are often framed with the current timeline where the characters are like adults. This really happens in 2521 because we see the daughter's story where she's looking back on her mother's life in the past. On the whole, nostalgia dramas are often really well liked. Like I'd say some of the most popular dramas in Korea and Taiwan are nostalgia dramas. And one example of that is the Reply series. So Reply 1988 was one of the most popular series around. And I'd say Reply 1984 and Reply 1997 were really well liked as well. And in Taiwan, the nostalgia series Someday or One Day was really really popular it was also popular in Korea as well so why do people love nostalgia series so much like what is it that makes us feel so drawn to these series first of all I'd say that nostalgia series brings us into our own idyllic memories of the past the times that show us were close enough for us to remember them somewhat clearly as if those days seemed to be just a few years ago but then they're also distant enough for us to recognize that actually a fair amount of time has passed often we ourselves attach a sense of fondness to nostalgia dramas because we think about how much younger we were back in those good old days depicted in the drama and being younger means that we had a lot more hopes and dreams and possibilities. Watching a kid like Hito makes you think about your energy and determination back in the day and even though things were difficult back then too our memories have this really funny way of repackaging the not so nice memories so that they're no longer really that painful but just seen as challenges that we learnt to overcome and so even though we're watching Yujin going through a really hard time in our hearts we kind of know that he's is going to rise above the challenge. So I guess the point is that watching these characters makes us reflect in this positive and idyllic way into our own past. Secondly, I'd say that nostalgia dramas show us about how much the world has changed just by reminding us of the types of technology we used to use or the clothes that we used to wear. Basically, these types of dramas have a lot of like throwback references to a time gone past. And these types of trivial changes creates a sense of delight at how simultaneously simple and hard a lot of things you to be in our lives. And I also think if you're younger and you didn't really live through these times, it's kind of fun to look at it because it is a time that is more historical to you, but then at the same time, it's also not that far away and people do tell you about some of these technologies or fashions. My personal favorite reminders of the past in 2521 have been seeing Hido looking at her giant box computer and typing to a friend on a very plain text chat room. It's just so weird to see a time when there wasn't user pictures or memes or gifs and it was all just plain writing and of course everyone spent a lot of time in chat rooms or like MSN messenger I know I spent a lot of time on that it's really funny to also see Hido watching Urim's fencing matches on this giant box tv and I think it might have been in episode one as well where you see Hido organizing some items and you also see floppy disks I feel like a lot of teenagers these days might not know what those floppy disks were that they were sort of like the early USBs that you used to save
save things on. And it's strange to think that people don't actually know what they are anymore. Like kids probably look at the save symbol and they have no idea what it means. Whereas everyone else is like, oh, well, that's a floppy disk and we don't use those anymore. The fashion in this series is also very cute. I love that Hido's mom wears these giant blazers with square shoulders and brooches. And Hido and Yujin also wear a lot of baggy denim jeans and denim jackets. Sometimes they even do the very obvious double denim. And there's a scene where Hido tries to get herself in trouble at a club. And I laughed at the idea of 90s clubbing. There was lots of girls in tank tops and baggy pants and mini skirts. It was just such a trip down memory lane of what people used to wear. And the last reason why we like nostalgia dramas is because there's an element of comfort. So as I mentioned before, nostalgia comes from looking back at the good old days, usually when we're growing up and coming of age and everything in the world seems fresh and exciting and full of wonder. However, the older you get, you experience pain like losing people or drifting apart from friends that you thought would be with you forever or not being able to achieve all the things that you thought you would achieve by a certain age. So there's an element of learning to accept things that challenge us and break us and having to make peace with loss. So we haven't gotten to this part in 2521 just yet, but I feel like there's going to be some painful episodes towards the end. But I think we like nostalgia dramas for this pain and bittersweetness in some ways. As much as we don't like seeing our favorite characters suffer, it's comforting to see what happens to other people. It kind of makes us feel less lonely to see people experiencing the same tough moments or the same sort of disappointments. And the stories show us that even though things aren't perfect and they may never be the same as they used to be, there's always new types of happiness and life does move on. So it's a bit healing to us as the audience in this way. Since we're on the idea that not everything about the past is always cheerful and full of happy memories, I thought this would be a good segue to talk about what the IMF crisis in Korea was. And this is the big event in 2521 that negatively impacted all of the characters. So this is the reason why Hido's school gets rid of their fencing team. It's also the reason why Eugene's family become bankrupt and his parents have to go into hiding and creditors come to harass him even though he's just a college kid. And if you haven't studied Asian history or don't know much about past like financial or economic crises, you might be wondering what exactly went down and why was it so bad that people had to become bankrupt or sell gold? I was pretty curious myself so I went to have a read and I'm going to summarize what happened in a way that's hopefully not too confusing or dry but will give you enough context so that you have a better understanding when you're watching the drama as to why everything was so bad for everyone during that time. So during the 90s South Korea was one of a number of fast growing economies in Asia and much of that growth was driven by chaebols and it's mentioned in 2521 that Yujin's family were chaebols and I hope you'll excuse me for butchering some of the names and Korean words because I'm only just starting to learn the language and so I am pretty bad at pronouncing certain things in Korean but hopefully I'll get better in time. Anyway back to this if you watch a lot of Korean dramas or are familiar with Korean culture then you'll know this refers to rich people but specifically those who are part of family-owned conglomerate business. So basically these are big brands or businesses such as Samsung or LG where the business was built by a family and then all the power and wealth associated with running the business is passed down from one generation to the next. These rich families had really strong ties to politicians and governments and a lot of decisions were sometimes made to reflect self-interest and another issue was that the Korean government at the time didn't quite manage the exchange rate as well as they should have and they just fixed the Korean currency which is the one to the US currency which led to it being overvalued. So this basically means the Korean currency seemed like it could buy more than it actually could because it was just mirroring the US 
US currency, it wasn't actually showing its own value. Because the currency seemed so strong at the time, a lot of these Chibor borrowed a lot of money from overseas to help their businesses as usual. At the same time, because the government was trying to make sure the Korean currency matched the US dollar, they had to raise the interest rates. So if you think about it, there was a large number of these rich families that owned the most important companies in all of Korea who owed a lot of money overseas and on top of that had high interest added onto their already existing debts. And then at this point, a lot of foreign investors started to lose confidence because they realized all these Korean companies owed a lot of money and they started to pull it out of Korea. And then this is exactly what happened. A lot of families couldn't pay back their debts and the government wasn't able to bail them out. And then several chibols were forced to declare bankruptcy, which is what's shown with Yi Jin's family's company. These debts led to a lot of issues that affected the middle class. So lots of people lost their jobs, people who had shares in these companies lost everything. And this is why in 2521, you see those company workers and creditors come to harass Yi Jin because they blame his father for the bankruptcy and for causing them to be unemployed or for having all these massive losses. And South Koreans tried to pay off these debts by having a gold collection campaign. This is shown in the drama when Hido is angry at her mom for donating her wedding rings and later on you find out that she donated all the gold in the house except for her wedding rings. But this is what Hido's mom was trying to do. She was trying to help pay off those debts as everyone else was. So to finish off, I'll explain why it's called the IMF crisis. So in the end, the Korean government couldn't help these chairballs, so they had to seek a bailout from overseas. And a bailout of $58 billion was given to South Korea by the IMF, which is the body that makes sure that there's no financial crises and that there's stability in the international money system. And although this loan helped the issue at the time, it also created and continues to create a lot of other issues in South Korea. So people have to bear with higher taxes, there's more unemployment, and the country is not growing as much as it used to. So that's probably why a lot of K-dramas are focused on inequality, the greed of the rich, and a lot of social issues like that. So hopefully that explanation wasn't too complicated, but helps you to understand why exactly all the characters are suffering as they are in 2521. So now that we've talked a little bit about a very serious topic, I thought I'd also shed light on one of the lighter topics in the drama. And what I mean by that is that I'm really excited to be talking about the comic Full House. This is of course the very popular comic in the drama that Hido, Yurim and all the girls in high school seem to be really obsessed about. And you're probably wondering why do they love this comic so much? You might also be wondering are there any secret meanings in the comic that translate to the drama? And I would say yes because books and movies mentioned in dramas are often selected carefully because they do tell you about the world of the drama and they often leave clues about the characters and what might happen to them in the future. For those who don't know what Full House is, it's a manhwa or comic series and it was written by Won Soo-yeon and it was first published in 1993. There's 16 volumes in the series so I guess it makes sense that by 1998, which is when 2521 takes place, they would be up to volume 11 or 12 which are the books that are featured inside the drama. And if you remember, volume 12 is that book that Hido and Yurim fight over and they almost rip it up and poor Yi Jin is forced to choose between his lifelong friend and his new friend who he potentially is starting to crush on. And it's just so funny because he has no idea how to sort out two very angry teenage girls fighting over the same thing. The story of Full House is about this Korean girl called Ellie G who lives in London because her family moves there when she's young. Both her parents pass away and she's an aspiring screenwriter. Life's a bit lonely but she takes comfort in the estate which her dad built and left to her and her beautiful home is called Full House, hence the title of the series. But one day she gets evicted and the person trying to 
buy her house turns out to be this world famous movie star called Ryder Bay. And while she's trying to figure out what's happening, she narrowly avoids getting hit by a car, but it does run over her foot. It turns out this accident is caused by Ryder Bay himself, so Ellie asks for her house back. Ryder says no at this point, but of course, because this is a girly comic book, he asks Ellie if she wants to get into a marriage contract with him. Why am I not surprised? This is one of those big tropes in comic books, and actually it's pretty much a trope in dramas as well, so yes, I'm really not surprised. At this point, they both decide to enter into the contract marriage because they both have their own motives. So Ellie needs a place to stay and she wants to find a way to get Full House back for herself. And Ryder, I think, needs Ellie to help with making one of his ex-girlfriends jealous or something like that. And so the comic is about the explosive marriage and how they eventually fall in love with each other even though they fight a lot and it started out as a bit of a sham marriage. For those interested in webtoons, graphic novels, comic books, manga, or are just interested in what Hedo and Urim and the rest of the girls are reading in this drama, the links to the official books are down in my show notes below. I think it's kind of fun and kind of meta to be reading what your favorite characters are reading. So if you're interested, just check that out in my show notes. But back to this series, the manhwa was so popular in Korea that Full House actually got its own drama made. And it was made in 2004 with the main characters played by Rain and Song Ha Kyo. And as you probably know, both of those actors are really big names in Korea. But in terms of the drama 2521, the year it's set in is 1998. And so of course the drama hadn't been made in Korea just yet. So it seems like people are still obsessed about the comics, especially Hido. There's a few reasons why Full House is the comic that is shown in this drama. So the first is that it's a popular Korean comic series as opposed to a Japanese comic series, which most comics probably were at the time. And it was one of the most famous series in that era, in the 90s. So selecting Full House as Hido's favorite comic book in the show is literally showcasing what was really popular in the era in Korea for teenage girls during that time. And the story of Full House itself is quite different to the drama 2521 in that the drama is not a contract marriage story. And unlike the characters of Full House, Hido and Yujin are not going from enemies to lovers. In fact, they have a more realistic slow burn friendship where there's underlying feelings developing from them being on the same wavelength and caring for each other as really good friends. But I think it's pretty obvious that there will be a time jump. So at some point, I anticipate that they might hurt each other's feelings or drift apart and then meet up again in the future. So that's yet to be shown. But at the moment, it doesn't seem like they really have a hate-love relationship. It seems like they have a very strong friendship and are potentially noticing each other in a slightly romantic way. But even though the comic Full House and the drama 2521 are not exactly the same, there are a lot of parallels between both the stories. And the first thing is that Hida would really love the main character, Ellie G, because she's just like her. Ellie is super intense and she's also someone who's very high-spirited. And when circumstances are really bad with her losing her family and then her house to Ryder Bay, she's not passive, she fights back, even if it means doing something totally reckless to get it back, like entering into a marriage contract. And we all just saw how reckless Hido was trying to get into fights and go illegal clubbing as a minor, just so she could transfer into the school with her dream fencing team. So in many ways, Hido mirrors LEG. And she also mentions that she thinks Ryder Bay is very good looking to Eugene, which is probably one of her other motivations to read the books. The other big parallel between Full House and 2521 is actually between Yujin and Ellie G. So like Ellie, Yujin's life changes overnight when his family becomes bankrupt. He also loses his family in the sense that they all have to split apart and live in different places. And to be honest, he probably loses his house as well because it seems like they would have had to use all their money to cover their debts. So in some ways, 
Fuller House seems to reflect Eugen's personal story as well. And it makes sense that the comic book connects both Hido and Eugen together because they share elements of that story. So Eugen is stuck in the same tough scenario as the main character Ellie, but he looks to Hido, who has the same sort of personality as Ellie, to carry on and to give himself resilience. So those seem to be some of the reasons why the comic Full House is featured in 2521, and I'm sure there'll be a number of other reasons as the drama unfolds. It would be hilarious if 2521 turned out to be a contract marriage drama. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's not because it hasn't been mentioned in any of the synopsis, but we still don't know how Hido ended up with a teenage daughter. And as implied from the title, it seems like the story will go into their adult years. So I guess there may be some element of them maybe getting married or living together. I guess that remains to be seen in the next couple of episodes, but I feel like it's unlikely they'll go down the whole dramatic Full House path. Anyway, I think I've covered most of the similarities between Full House and 2521. If you're interested in giving Full House a read, it's been licensed with English translations and I've dropped the links in my show notes as mentioned before so you can check it out there. And so I think that's all I have to say in terms of 2521 right now. And I'll add that I am totally liking this drama. It's probably been my favorite for this year so far. And I definitely have a lot more to say about it. So I probably will make a few more episodes about 2521. I think there's just so many elements of this drama that we could go into. For example, I still haven't talked much about the sports side of this drama. And I have to say sports dramas are not for everyone, but I think if you watch them, you probably like them because they're quite inspirational. And you know, I made the mistake of thinking that I hated sports dramas for so long, but it actually turned out to be the opposite. So I love sports dramas, but what I actually don't like is playing the sports themselves. And so now that I've realized this, I am really on board with sports dramas. And I think it will be good to talk about that going forward because obviously Hido is really into her fencing. And from what I've read, she's going to be a champion fencer. So I think this will be something that we can talk about in one of the future episodes. So yes, follow me if you want to hear another rambling episode about 2521 or maybe even just an episode about Nam Ji Hyuk because I feel like this is the first time I've been really drawn to him since Weightlifting Fairy, even though I've seen a lot of his projects as I mentioned earlier. Oh, and I should mention at this point, if you're interested in having more of a conversation rather than just listen to me talk, you can reach out to me on my socials, which I'll leave in my show notes below. I have to admit I'm a pretty lonely drama watcher, so if you want to talk to me about dramas, I am all for that. I have friends that watch occasionally and then I have some foreign friends, so I'm always happy to make some new drama friends. And so I just want to say a big thank you if you've listened up to this point because obviously this is still a little bit new for me and there's so many dramas I want to talk about. So I recently finished watching All of Us Are Dead and I really loved that and also would love to make an episode on Our Beloved Summer since I also watched that while it was airing but didn't really have time to talk about it. But yes, definitely hoping to make another episode on 2521. So hopefully you'll stick around and listen to that as well. And if you enjoyed this, please leave a happy review since it will help other listeners who love dramas to find us as well. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.